ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. We've all been to the party or tailgate with that person. You know, the one who makes everything about politics. Or there's that relative, the one you blocked on Facebook because you'd prefer to opt out of toxic conversations. I'm Sarah Stewart-Holland. And I'm Beth Silvers. We host Pantsuit Politics, where we take a different approach to the news. On Pantsuit Politics, we opt out of the shouting and scorekeeping while still recognizing that elections matter. We're here to look at the headlines as citizens. We pay attention to politics, but also keep it in perspective. Pantsuit Politics was named one of Apple's best podcasts of 2021 and GMA3's Podcast of the Month. Take a different approach to the news with us in 2023. Pantsu Politics releases new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Listen on the ACAST app and wherever you get your podcast. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. This is the relevant podcast. It's Friday, February 5th, 2021, and it's The Relevant Podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Uh, okay, and normally this is where I would introduce Jamie Ivey and Derek Miner, but both are away on assignment this week, which also means that we moved the recording time and they couldn't do it. So, sitting in for the show today, we have our senior editor from Nashville, Tyler Huckabee. Hey, man. Hey, everybody. And a real treat, sitting in for the entire show today... Artist, producer, icon, Andy Minio is sitting in. Howdy. Howdy. <laughs> How are we? <laughs> Artist, producer, icon, cowboy. Yeah. <laughs> I just moved to the south. I also like I also like that you followed up with how are we? Because that sounds very either like very like pastoral or like a counselor. How are we? How, how are we? Are we? Yeah. That That's is how my the therapist question. kicks off our sessions. How are we today? <laughs> how are we this week? You and all your personalities. Um. <laughs> well, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talk to worship leader, songwriter Mac Brock. Uh, he talks to us about his newest album. It's called Space, as well as creativity in the pandemic. We also have Relevant Recommends, our new segment, What's Jesse Thinking? But before we get rolling, uh, I, I always like to take this opportunity when we have a friend like Andy sitting in. Like, I want to get to... I don't want to. I don't want the press tour version of Andy Minio. I don't want the main stage version of Andy Minio. I want to get to know the real Andy Minio, and I think our listeners do too. So I have a few questions that I thought we could kind of throw into the mix to get things rolling. You, you all right with that, Andy? A little get a, to know you a stuff? A little hot seat. I'm here for it. Let's do it. Okay. All right. All right. So I, no, I just randomly, I just pulled these table topics, get to know your icebreaker questions. Here you go. Okay. Other than music, because that's your profession, what topic could you give a 20 minute presentation on without any preparation? Oh, man. Um, I think it would probably be about storytelling. Jesse's, Jesse's is like paranormal, weird cyber theories. Yeah, I mean, they're both both equally valid and equally important to our oh, culture. Yeah. But Andy, where did where did your like like when you say storytelling, you know, obviously you're you're a musician and songwriter and artist. Yeah. Like, what do you kind of see as like your primary outlet as a, a story? Obviously, like songwriting is a, a big part of that. But, yeah. you know, 
What, what, how do you kind of incorporate principles of storytelling to make sure it translates into, yeah. into music well? Well, I just think it's it comes from marketing, right? So it's like, hmm. I got to not only make the music, that's half the job. The second half of the job is telling a compelling story through marketing. And that's hmm. kind of what I do with every rollout of every project. You got to find interesting things to do um, to bring attention and, and that kind of thing. So uh, I think stories are also the thing that like will never go away. Uh, we are like, we're pe like human beings understand the world through stories. Right. And like, when we don't understand a story, we just make one up because we can't fathom not understanding something. So it's like story is a part of the, of human nature. It's super important for quote unquote marketing and just uh, people's understanding of things. So I do that a lot through music, uh, and through my marketing, which I have a, a ton of fun doing and rolling out my music. Um, so I, I think that the second thing though, I, I'd, I'd probably talk extensively about is, uh, emotion, like, um, therapy has like just changed me as a person. And I think men being able to tap into what's going on inside of them is like one of the most important things, men and women. But for, for me, it was, you know, it's kind of taboo for men to talk about emotion and it's been a huge part of like changing me and, and I become like an evangelist for that. So I could talk all day on that. What stuff. got, what got you open to a full on meltdown? Uh, that's okay. what got me in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I had a full on meltdown and my wife was like, it's time, you know? And I, and she always told me like, therapy doesn't mean anything's wrong necessarily. Just people should go. So they have places to talk to people and process what's going on inside of them. I was like, yeah, you're right. And then, you know, basically we, we don't, we don't change our habits as, as humans, basically like we don't stop eating bad food until we have a heart attack. Like that's when mm -hmm. we change. It usually mm -hmm. takes like the worst thing to happen. And then people are like, maybe I'll consider. So that's unfortunate that that's the way we are, but that's what it took for me was a crisis. And then I was like, all right, now let's, correct it and then not go back to that because the fear of going back to that is what keeps people you know not eating fried food they had a heart attack once you know so yeah it's it's kind of like if you if you take the car into the shop when you hear the weird noise That's then right. you're not going to have to call a tow truck by, by the side of the road at midnight you know like it, the, yeah. there's yeah. two options for how you do maintenance and that, that goes for cars and that goes for that yeah. goes for uh, like if you go in before there's a problem you won't need to go in there when there is a problem and if you go in when there is a problem it's going to take a lot It's usually too late to uh, or it's <laughs> yeah. like a significant upcharge. I am a big advocate of therapy and counseling too, but I kind of came to it, uh, you know, pretty late in life as well. Mm -hmm. And I would just say this, I, I found it, it profoundly beneficial uh, for on a lot of fronts. I will say this, I had one disappointment because my, my whole idea of therapy was so informed. By Fraser. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just like random shows where uh, characters in therapy. And like the first time I walked in, I'm like, uh, that couch does not look anywhere nearly big enough yeah. for me to lay on. Yeah. And how is this going to, yeah. like, I feel like reclining needs to, like, make its way back into things. I feel like I'd be more open if I am leisurely with my hands behind my back, laid out on a couch, than I am just sitting looking eye. I'd rather just stare off into the ceiling tiles yeah. than I would, you know, look into the person's eye. I feel like reclining need, or a lazy boy type of situation where I can just happy medium, you know, just kind of lean my chair back. That was my only beef with therapy yeah this is not where tony soprano sat you're like this isn't yeah. it <laughs> yeah. okay all right all right so next next question do you have a scar and if so how'd you get it 
Yeah, I got two scars. I got one on my shin. Uh, I was, uh, as a kid, I was just running, playing, and I fell, and, like, a nail went through my, like, shin, uh, basically. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, it was nasty. It was rusty. <laughs> that, oh, I need a tetanus shot. That one, and uh, I remember one time I was, I actually have one on my on my knuckle, on my pinky right here. And it was from me and my mom. I was helping her like refinish the house and we were doing like sanding on the wall. And so I was like scrubbing the wall and uh, there was a nail in it. And so I just went across and it just hooked and, and drug through my, and I could see the bone. It was nasty. So I, oh, I got a couple oof. scars. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, I got another one Ooh. on my forehead or on my head too. As a kid, I was running and I, I was like running away from a friend and I ducked under this tree and it was a tree that had like, uh, you know, kind of like pointy edges and it just scraped my head open. So there's a little one up there. Now, now I, I, have you ever, have you ever been tempted to tell people a different story about your carpentry related scar? Because I do feel, I don't feel like, listen, sanding and getting a nail through the knuckle it's pretty brutal. Yeah. But are you ever tempted to be like a total street fight? You know, hit a guy with with. <laughs> I think you know. I did think I lied about it, like when I was a kid or something. You know, I punched a guy so hard. You, you should see the other guy. Uh, my hand just exploded. Yeah. yeah. I think I did at some point. His skull broke off in my hand. <laughs> yeah. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember what happened. Either I punched a bully so hard my boat, my skin exploded, or it was a sandpaper accident. I can't remember. Yeah. I know it was one broke of those. his navel cavity in half. <laughs> <laughs> uh what is your most treasured material possession oh dang i'd have to think about that i know i have something i'm just not like if I there, can't think about like it. if there is okay all right here's Sarah. there's a a fire okay right. no uh -huh. one's in the home okay no one's in the home and your computer and like photo albums are like out of the house okay Boy. and the fireman he's a very he's he's got a lot of bravado and they were like listen man i'm gonna run in i'll grab one thing before the flames engulf the whole structure yeah what do you want me to get all the photo albums and your computers and your your recording gear is all safe is there anything else I can run into the blaze and get for you? What do you tell him? Well, you know, you, you took out my one answer, which was these. Um, so you guys know I'm into photography. And so for the last few years, since 2014, I've been collecting these mini Polaroids. Uh, so I take this like Polaroid thing with me. And like every time a significant event happens or we hang out with friends, I take a picture, I, I date it and everything. And so it's become this like collection of my life oh, history. Cool. So oh, it's, wow. it's, it is like photo album, but it's, it's this special thing that I've been building for years and years. And I would be devastated if I lost that. So, um, I would say that I know it's photo album, but it, it is like a different, Yeah, that's really cool, man. Yeah. Like, especially yeah. in the days of digital, it's like, mm -hmm. I have like, eight volumes and wow. they're uh Man. yeah they're they're pretty cool that is cool I, I was just gonna say i don't really know i've i've thought about this too because my growing up my parents had like a safe in their closet which i don't even know if like people buy safes anymore mm -hmm. like i don't think they were like i'm not particularly worried about a cat burglar coming in and like stealing my wife's pearls yeah. or i have a, you know I mean? i have a safe but it's like where i put like my son's birth certificate and our mortgage yeah, and yeah, yeah but like i'm saying yeah, yeah exactly like i can see for like fireproofing reasons right, right. but like my parents would act like there's like valuables in there but i'm like i don't even know like yeah, if if a burger if if Harry and Marv broke in on Christmas Eve, I don't think they're very interested in my birth certificate <laughs> or my social security card. Right. You know, but but I do feel like one of those fireproof safes would come in handy for stuff like Andy's Polaroids. You yeah, know? yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, All right, for sure. Andy, if you have an itch on your butt 
inside your ear and up your nose at the same time, which would you scratch if you could only pick one? Oh, man. <laughs> it was butt, ear, and what? Up your nose, inside your ear, and, and butt. Oh, man, I'm... Geez, that's... Toss up between the cheeks and my nose <laughs> because it's really hard to, you know, just get get it moving without with that thing being irritated. Probably my nose because it's on my face and that's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, all right. So, uh, how did you spend the money from your very first job? From my very first job, um, I think I went and I bought. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. Like a South Pole jumpsuit, <laughs> like a yeah. breakaway jumpsuit that I got yeah. roasted for terribly. Oh, and you were yeah. so proud of it. You that you worked hard for that I was too. Like, Yo, no, because yeah, there was South Pole, but then there's also North Pole or uh, North Face. Uh, like, yeah, I, North Face. I got yeah. him confused, um, and I was like, "Oh, the South South Pole." You, you were like, dude, what a freaking deal. I heard this stuff is expensive. <laughs> yeah. This is cheap. This is cheap. Great. And it's at and it's at Marshall's. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Andy. Let me ask you this, Andy. Before like before you made that that TJ Maxx purchase, yeah. what was the job that 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 earned you the the kind of coin you needed to go on your uh, shopping spree? I worked in a kitchen in a camp in a summer camp. So I would wake okay. up super early and I would go into like the walk-in freezers and I would take out uh the food for the day and and prepare it and stuff and, and wash dishes. So I did that for like two summers. Um, that was my first job. And I, I think that was really like my only job, if I'm honest with you. After that, I, I went to school and then I built my home studio and I started charging people to record at my studio as a kid. And nine to five just wasn't the life for you. It you, wasn't. You got one, ta- you got one taste yeah. of the system. And you're like, nope. I would be an awful, awful employee too. Cause I'm just not, I'm like, how about my way? Cause that's probably better. You know, I just, I'd be fired immediately. Okay. I have, I have an like for camp food. Isn't it just like a variety of like four things, like some manner of figuring out how to like make eggs, but the eggs aren't really eggs. It's like just kind of some yellow Boxed, liquid in a big yeah. like bucket that you just kind of ladle out onto a stove every morning and figure out how to scramble it. And, and isn't it like a variation of like burgers and hot dogs after that? Yeah, that's pretty much it. You're you're you've been to camp, clearly. Yeah. 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 Oh, I've been to camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. All right. Andy, would you rather be able to run at a hundred miles an hour or fly at ten miles an hour? Ah, I'm gonna take flying, man. Flying at ten miles an hour versus yeah, running at a hundred. Bird, that bird's eye gives me just a different uh scenario. Yeah. It is very mm-hmm. slow moving though. It, I feel like it'd be very miles an hour is pretty. It's like a ride at Epcot. You know, it's not a roller coaster. I mean, it's like it, 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 it's dangerous, Dumbo, man. It's, you can hurt some people. So I'm, I'm gonna it's, take it's, flying. It's the it's the Dumbo ride. It's Dumbo ride speed about ten. A safe, <laughs> but steady it's 10. also flying. So that's yeah, true. That's true. Yeah, it's faster than you can walk. To be fair, though, for earning potential, I think at this point in my life, maybe when I was a kid, I would have said flight. But at this point, it'd be like, well, I'll just become the best. Like, if flying was an Olympic sport, I would be like, okay. But if I'm like, dude, I could, I could win. I could be the greatest runner in the world and get a lot yeah. of sponsorships. Mm, or yeah. you know, A lot of wear and tear these. on your bones, man. I'm, I'm not true. here for it. 100 miles an hour, though, I mean, you'd go down in history. I, I mean, they would write, write about, about you if you, you could fly, too. I think, I think flying would also be notable <laughs> for the press. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. fame is pretty true. Trash. I, I like. I don't care about 
you know, wow, now I got to get followed everywhere I go. The guy who runs at 100 miles and I'm like, you can run away from him. You can very quickly evade them. Yeah. But the the best thing to do is to be above it all. I'm with Andy. When they come, I'm taking flight. I'm right there. Fly over them, man. And whenever you're like bored with the conversation, <laughs> the ultimate power move is just like you don't walk away. You float. You like you don't need mm-hmm. to go. It's 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 even more rude that if you're going yeah. so slowly, even because you're just you're telling like Mike he's trying to give me a contract to be the first guy who flies who's on there. You know, they they sign me, they don't give me enough, and I just like slowly elevate out of the chair, out the window. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's like the Homer Simpson. Yeah, it's a Homer Simpson like backing into a shrub meme, except Andy's just slowly gliding <laughs> away in the away. air at a That's safe it. ten miles an hour. Yeah. All right, just a couple more. Uh, what is your worst personality characteristic? Hmm. You mentioned you'd be a bad employee, so I was just curious. Yeah. Um, I think I am. I'm really harsh on on like weakness. Like, so I'm not super mm. compassionate and. Mm. gentle with when I feel like, Oh, you don't got it together. I'm more like tough love, like do it, figure it out, you know? And it's just because that's what I had to do. And I, and I, sometimes I make myself the standard and Mm. it's just pride and and arrogance. Uh, I think that's probably one of my worst. Does that show um, up in your like friendships and even your relationship with your wife? I mean, is that like something that's, yeah, I got called out on it at the beginning of the year and it was really helpful for me. I was like, Oh man, my Mm -hmm. wife really, highlighted that and i wrote it down somewhere i I wish i had the paper to tell you specifically but yeah it's like i have a lot of grace for people in a certain window and then like if they're not in that window i'm just like you just piss me off you know and (laughs) yeah um yeah so that's that's probably one of them i mean i i I got a list i got a list but uh that's the one that's most on the top of my mind right now so i want to in 2021 my one of my goals is to become more compassionate and uh, gentle. Or that's a good. That's that's a good goal. I mean, that's a, that's a very admirable. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and it takes a pretty high degree of self awareness to mm-hmm. be able to even recognize that. Because, like, I feel like a lot of people's impulse if someone like you know calls them out, either even if they do it compassionately, is to kind of take a posture of like, well, that's what kind of that's who I am. That got me to where I am today. You yeah. know, did you did you have to fight that impulse at all to kind of defend that trait, or did you see right away the kind of merits of? working to kind of reposition yeah i think think through doing more therapy and stuff and getting aware of who i am and my story and why i tick the way i tick it makes it easier to hear criticism because you're not like trying to defend this identity that you need Mm -hmm. to it's just like no that's who you are and like it's okay to be messed up like as long as you don't stay there and Mm -hmm. you can't even grow from things if you're not aware of them so um there's that i think the fear that i've had is like if i maintain that uh attitude i i think it's it's going to impede me from being the type of father I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to mm-hmm. be gentle and kind and compassionate with the kids that I have eventually, Lord willing. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't want to be hard on them or critical. You know, I think it's like I can be critical and cynical and, and uh, yeah, I just don't want to carry that over into my marriage and into stuff with, with kids that I got influence and stuff. So. Yeah. All right. Two, two more. Uh, this one's a quick one. Would you rather fart or burp glitter? Would you rather fart or burp glitter? Oh man. You I feel like to. I'd rather fart glitter because you could conceal um, it. 
Yeah. You can conceal it a little bit. Also, like, comes out of your mouth, man. Like, you know, glitter never comes off. Yeah. That's in your right. chest yeah. all day. It's forever. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna look, yeah, somebody's exactly. be like, are you going to a rage? Like, what are you doing? A rave? <laughs> uh, a rave party? Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> it's on your lips all the time. Glitter mouth. Yeah. But the problem with the other, the one you chose, is like, you, you can't put those shorts in the wash now because glitter gets on everything. So yeah. you're going to literally have to buy new diapers, clothes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Depends. Glitter depends. Yeah, yeah, that's a must. There you go. All right. All right. Last question. All right. If you could give a piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? Everyone makes it up as they go. Don't worry. Oh, mm. there you go. All right. There's a get to know you. Some get to know you questions with Andy. Uh, stay tuned, everyone. Up next, it's relevant news. Yeah, I'm in the field, gotta tie my laces. Me and my wife on a last name basis. When I get home, I'ma run the bases. Yeah, now I'm all tied like Mavis. No shame, baby, you know I'm shameless. Thank God that I'm in his good graces. And he never took a loss like Vegas. What a Batman, what a Ben Bainless. Ooh. Never really thought about it like that. Guess the story isn't good unless you got a little bad man a league up in the stand. You're listening to our guest, Andy Minio. Uh, the song is Mama Taught Me from his new EP, Happy Thoughts. Go check it out. It's a great project. Well, today's show is brought to you by Apartment Life. You've got to check out what our friends at Apartment Life are doing. They believe every individual is created for a community, so they're building that community among apartment neighbors. Right now, they're looking for folks who love Jesus, get excited about hospitality, and really take the opportunity to be with people when life gets tough. And get this, Apartment Life will equip you, walk alongside you, and provide you with either a reduced rent apartment or a part-time salary. Visit apartmentlife.org slash relevant to find out more and join them today. You don't want to miss this life-changing opportunity to really show the love of Christ to neighbors, especially these days. Again, that's apartmentlife.org slash relevant. I love what they're doing. That's so cool. Okay, it's time for... Relevant All right, well, Tyler, I don't have to introduce you because you're already here, but what's going on this week? What's going on this week is a little bit of a holdover from something that started last week, and that is, uh, as I'm sure everybody saw, the the GameStop situation that started on Reddit. Now, if you want a full explainer about that, I'm really not the guy because it seems very complicated, (laughs) and I've read many explainers on it, and I feel like I... I I think I understand it less now than I did. So there's before. five bananas <laughs> and a gorilla takes four. Still don't get it. <laughs> People have and tried every which way. There's GameStop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody can explain how, you know, but but the the long and short of it, the very brief explanation is that GameStop stock value soared up because of some uh some redditors who sort of conspired to basically prank the stock market and ended up being way more successful than they could have anticipated and it has resulted in a lot of talk about the stock market and is this money even real and how is something more how is GameStop more valuable now even though it's an obviously a a fairly antiquated business practice so we have there are some things on the site you can go to relevantmagazine.com where we've written about some of this but where this intersects with relevant news and, and hits the the culture faith beat is because of a guy by the name of Justin Speak uh, he is 27 years old he is a pastor out in California and he was one of the OG redditors who was part of the the initial push to buy up stock and drive the stock market price higher. He ended up in the New York Times and on MSNBC talking about this, and he actually was the first one who made this connection to faith. Clark, uh, play that MSNBC clip. Do you have plan? Did you ever expect it to be sort of what it is now? Uh, and did you get in in order to, you talk about sort of 
thinking that maybe the company could rise. Was part of it that you wanted to sort of stick it to the Wall Streeters, as we've heard from some others in your position? Yeah, I mean, I think there was a confidence that this was a, a real thesis, that this would go up. But I also, I'd be lying to say if it, there wasn't some pleasure out of the fact, you know, I, I'm a pastor and Jesus tells a story about this rich fool who has an overabundant harvest that's more than he can store. And rather than give the excess to those in need, he chooses to, to build bigger and bigger barns to store it for himself. And, and God says to him in the end, you know, this very night, your life will be demanded from you and who will get what you've prepared for yourself. And so since 2008, it feels like Wall Street has had an overabundant harvest financed by public money. And rather than share the billions with the less fortunate, they've built bigger and bigger barns for themselves. And so, yeah, I was 100 percent. There was a part of me that thought, well, it will be fun to be a part of this moment, to see this moment where at some level overnight, these investors are losing their investing lives. It's being demanded from them. Uh, and they're left wondering what what they get, what who's going to get what they had prepared for themselves. So, so Tyler, you, you, you're suggesting that this is perhaps the most elaborate sermon illustration. Of all time. <laughs> like, like we've gone, we've gone from like Braveheart clips and a pastor riding a motorcycle into the sanctuary to demonstrate who knows what to a long con that has taken the knees out from the American economy and put the SEC in a position where they have to rethink the entire stock market just for that little sermon. Well, well done, it's a, Reddit. It's a memorable sermon yeah wow. i mean i feel like that that gives me hope in the next generation of pastors that they're just going to move beyond easy acronyms about uh uh you know living a life of purpose to you know to really elaborate illustrations that's 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 uh i but i don't i can't say i disagree with his logic there no i mean it's it is sort of these like the least comfortable parts of the new testament or some of the words about the rich and what and mm-hmm. what uh and really both testaments but they come up with jesus a lot and then uh so is the direct tie between what happened to GameStop in the stock market to the parable of the rich fool. Hey, he's the pastor, not me. The The analogy is is there on the bottom shelf. And it, it's if you go watch the clip, it is, we do have it embedded over irrelevant. You can see the MSNBC host did not. This was a left field analogy <laughs> yeah. for her eyes. Like, flare wasn't open expecting light. that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Andy, are, have you been following the GameStop thing? Are you, are yeah. you a stock market guy? Yeah, I have one group chat that if it didn't exist, I wouldn't know anything that's happening in the world ever. Shout out Alex Medina. <laughs> Uh, that kid just keeps me informed. Uh, so yeah, that's that's how I found out about it. And there was some terminology in there that was pretty cool. Uh, what do they call it? Shorting, like yeah, short yes. squeeze, short yeah. squeeze, yeah. yeah, squeeze, and and all, uh, yeah. So do do you have like as someone who you know kind of has the a uh, high level look at kind of the, that whole situation, but also obviously has interesting ideas on, on on faith and culture. Do you have any ethical qualms with what the redditors did, or do you kind of agree with the that that clip from the pastor? That's like, hey, this is. No, I don't have any know. qualms with what the redditor. Like literally, that's what the stock market is. Like you're outsmarting people and yeah. <laughs> betting. Yeah. And like someone called your bluff. That's what happened. Yeah. Like you don't get in the stock market then. Yeah. Hmm. I'm like, what are it, you talking about? You got stock marketed. That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. Like you're literally, you were trying to put together a scheme to short this comp. Like uh-huh. and it happened to you. Wow. I have no qualms with that. Yeah. yeah, it's weird I how agree, many yeah. le- how quickly the levers of the industry started pivoting to to turn again. Like, well, 
the the poor one folks aren't supposed to be doing this and very quickly started limiting the options the robin hood app was when they launched it if you look up their original marketing was like to give power to the people and take it away from the hedge funds and and robin hood is gonna like decentralize it all yeah and 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 then it happened and Robin Hood was like, well, no, we didn't actually mean it. And they shut down yeah. the trading of all those. Yeah. Modestly uh, those successful. Well, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It, it, there, there, was a, there was a documentary a while ago. I can't remember what it's called, but I'm sure somebody can, can, can look it up. It was about this group of like church planners who uh, learned how to count cards like in playing blackjack. Mm-hmm. And they had a whole system where they would like be position themselves at different side around the blackjack table. And they had a system that they could communicate for the person that was sitting in the seat playing the game, when to hit and when to stay. And it increased their odds of winning dramatically. And they would use the money in their church plants. And they they justified what they were doing two ways. One, it's not breaking any rules. You're mm-hmm. just being, you're not actually cheating. Like you're not getting any inside knowledge. All of the knowledge they've had uh, was from open display cards that any player could do if they mm-hmm. learned the technique. But two, they looked at it, and this is what they said, that they were liberating the devil's money. That, they, you know, in their mind, they said the casinos take money from people and just make more and more and more of it and hoard it. We are going to liberate that money and use it to start churches. To and, churches. I did, and, and I didn't really, honestly, I mean, the, the, the film tells how the whole thing ended up going sideways in the end. But uh, I didn't really have any problem with that logic. It doesn't seem too dissimilar to what this, this kind of uh, uh, Reddit. Somebody's mm-hmm. got to take the devil's money, and that's why I strip on Thursday nights at Swinging Richards. <laughs> and it's a side hustle. And I walk into the bank with a lot of ones. Liberating the devil's money. But I'm just liberating it, and I'm liberating myself. But, but listen, when 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 I show up and drop you know three hundred ones into the offering bucket early Sunday morning, exactly. no one's complaining. No one's complaining how it got there. That's right. That doc is called Holy Rollers, Jesse, and it is a yeah. good. It's a it's a it's great really documentary. Good. It's really Speaking of, actually, over the past forty eight hours, there have been three GameStop movies greenlit by Hollywood. Three. About the pe- we yeah. don't need three. Yeah, yeah we. Boy. I don't know that we need one. Another Spider Man. <laughs> I mean, one could be good. Like if it like Moneyball was good. I mean, I uh-huh. could see one, but come on, three. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, there's a lot more that we're covering over at relevantmagazine.com. Follow us on all the socials. Don't miss a thing. Uh, that's it for this week's. Relevant. Stay tuned. Up next, Mac Brock joins us. It's not about how you get lost. It's what you do to find the trail. But sometimes you're Ahab, sometimes you're the whale. When frogs have fallen from the sky. You're listening to The Killers. The song is Say La Vie. Well, today's episode is brought to you by podcast creation platform, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. There are custom tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and every major platform. The cool thing is you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. 
It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Well, Mac Brock is a producer, worship leader, and songwriter. He's co-written many of the Elevation worship songs that we all know and love, like Oh, Come to the Altar, Resurrecting, and As Here As In Heaven. He has a brand new solo album out called Space, and we talked to him about that, as well as what creativity looks like in the pandemic. Here is our conversation with Mac Brock. On this rock we stand in the power of Christ. One of the kind of interesting things about this season of life is that it's affected us all and, and it's the same thing, but it's affected us all in different ways. So how has it been for you guys? Overall, it's been good. And I don't even say that, you know, I'm kind of an optimist person already, but I don't even say that, like, just trying to make the best of the situation. Uh, it's it's honestly been, you know, I travel so much in my with my work and all that. My wife has a really chaotic schedule. So just even the forced slowdown was really a nice thing for us. And it was an adjustment, obviously. And we had to kind of navigate hitting certain walls that we had to <laughs> learn to, you know, I don't know, adjust just all of us being home and, and kind of just the pace of our life. But it's been a good, it's been a good process for us. And it's been, it's been a sweet season in a lot of ways. Okay, can we talk about the new record? <laughs> Tell me about the new record. You know, I initially like wanted to do like a live record with our church and it'd just be like a night of worship or something, you know, kind of like a standard typical worship record. And obviously we couldn't do that, but it wound up being such a special, a special project for me regardless. Um, we did just kind of like took an afternoon and I brought in like some of my favorite people on the planet. I brought in different people, like all from different seasons of my life to be a part of this record, whether they were like musicians or whether they were behind the camera capturing stuff, whether they were just in the room praying and singing with us, you know, like it was just a really special day, a special project to be a part of. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for it. It's been like a, you know, being able to do something that you're actually like also like has touched you and like you're grateful and you're happy just that you even got to experience it is a special thing. As I was looking over your work, one thing I noticed is you've been involved in a lot of different really collaborative projects, which I would think would be kind of difficult for an artist. What have you learned about collaborating well with other people? Yeah, I mean, for me, collaboration is like such a key part of just like the way that I work. I have friends, you know, you know, John Mark McMillan, he's from Charlotte. Uh, and I know he's collaborative in other ways, but when it comes to songwriting, he just doesn't 
he likes to do his thing and be like, you know, kind of like locked in like his like world for that. I'm like the exact opposite where as soon as I lock myself in my own world with songwriting, I get completely over analytical, completely discouraged, completely like everything I make sucks. And, and so just even the idea of like working with other people and bringing other people in the process is such a life giving thing for me. Um, I think the things that I have learned the most through that is, you know, with songwriting specifically, it's such a vulnerable thing, such a vulnerable thing to put out an idea that you're feeling in your spirit and see how anybody's going to respond to it. And when you're collaborate, collaborating songwriting wise, that's almost like, just like a, like the first step of that is like, you have to get to a place where you're vulnerable just with the people that are in the room with you. And that just, I don't know, it like, for me, it opens up just like a gateway of like, what can happen on a large scale. It's like, just like a small example of like what can happen on a large scale when you're able to be transparent, vulnerable, put yourself out there, and then ultimately be doing it with people that are refining you to make you better. I think worship music is really interesting because it's very timeless. And when you make worship music, you really want to cast a broad net uh, because churches from all over the world are going to be singing this. So is that a pressure that you feel when you're writing? Um, You know, it's such a funny thing because like the hardest, I think some of the hardest songs to write sometimes are, are like, are those vertical worship songs? Cause I'm like, all right, we could say hallelujah. Um, we could say, I praise you, you know, like one could say like, well, that would be easy. Cause you could just like, you know, like Mad Libs put in song, you know, put in these words. I think it's like a lot harder because you do want to be fresh in the way that you're saying it, or you want to be, um, unique in the way that you're saying it. And sometimes it's just like hard of like, And I think that's one of the reasons why it's harder to write those vertical songs where it's just exaltation of God, because the language is, it's just harder to dig for that, that we haven't heard already so many times, you know, but I think that even in that, even in worship, the Lord is still revelatory in like what we can say to him. And, and sometimes it's just in a melody, you know, sometimes you're, you are just saying, hallelujah. And then sometimes you find a song that it's just literally, I mean, the blessing. The chorus is just amen. And it's so powerful and strong and special, you know? And there's something unique when when that kind of combines as well. Societally right now, there's a lot of focus on the external. Um, It's hard not to get caught up in the protests and the political climate we're in and the pandemic. and, And these are important things, but they haven't traditionally been a big part of American worship music, or at least not in recent years. Is it difficult to know how to navigate that tension when it comes to writing corporate worship songs? There's a group called Common Hymnal. I don't know if you're familiar with them. And they have done such a good job um, of kind of like addressing even 
some of those issues like really head on and very specific. Um, it's it's really they're doing like some amazing. They've written some amazing songs. Um, I do think that in worship music, there does tend to be sometimes we get stuck in trying to only write from the mountaintop, from the victory side. I've you know, and I, I've seen that in my own songwriting because you. And I don't even think it comes from a bad place. I think it comes from like a man, there is victory in Jesus. And there is like, like we're alive, like we have reason to celebrate. And so I do want to write songs that are celebratory in that sense. But I do think it's also important to have those songs that say, hey, I'm in the middle of a really bad season. I'm in the middle of like a really gnarly valley right now. And I don't see a mountaintop in sight. I don't see an end in sight. And I'm just struggling. And I think that even in those songs, it's good to have those songs. I mean, David had those songs in the songs, you know, where he's just like being brutally honest with where he's at, but then also choosing to say, but I can trust in a higher being and I can trust in a higher calling. I can trust in just the simplicity of who Jesus is. And that does give us hope, even in the middle of that, you know, weird desert season. Okay, and something I always love artists with a new project out is, uh, uh, is there any song that is on this album that was particularly difficult, uh, particularly rewarding, maybe we should say, something that stood out to you in a special way? Uh, there are a couple of songs like that for me on this project. There, there's one in particular. Um, well, there's two that come to mind, if I could talk about two of them. One is a song called Song of Heaven that is that kind of straight vertical exaltation song where, you know, it's a song that is just talking about the goodness of God. And and for whatever reason, that song is ministered to me in such a unique way through this process. Uh, I, I was just telling someone recently, like that song, the only reason why that song is on the album might just be for me, just in my own like personal time of worship, I guess. And then there's another song called space so the album's called space and and kind of the titular song of that is a song that i wrote it was uh it was actually like right before the world shut down so there was like kind of this era uh or air of fear (laughs) that we were all scared of like what is COVID, what is happening and it's a song about saying jesus sees you exactly as you are he does it he's not telling you you got to fix anything to come to him and he's just saying, hey, there's, there's space in my area. I'm making room for you. All you have to do is just say yes and come. And, and that was just such a, I don't know, it's such a sweet song for me to lead and such a sweet song for me to de- even like live in of just that reminder. You know, I'm a person that gets bogged down in like the anxiousness of what I have going on or what's the future going to look like or or just you know even going back to what you're saying like all the stuff that's going on i can tend to like live in my mind with all that stuff the politics the the racial tension whatever it might be and like it can be like crippling sometimes you know and and to just like exhale in jesus it's something that i need more of in my life and something that i have to like intentionally like seek after um, and so that song has kind of become that for me.
That was Mac Brock. Make sure to check out Space and Space Deluxe. Sounds fancy. Exclusively on Apple Music, along with his new acoustic cafe sessions on Instagram. Mary tried to talk the pleasure back into being alive. Reminiscing about the apricots and blunts on pack and rice. Every week on Relevant Recommends, we recommend a new movie, a TV show, a book, an album, or even a video game that's worth your time. This week, with the release of the Golden Globe nominations, we decided to cover a big awards contender you may have missed, Nomadland. You've probably never seen a movie quite like Nomadland. It's not quite a documentary, but it's not totally scripted either. The movie was helmed by Chloe Chow and inspired by a non-fiction book of the same name. That book by Jessica Bruder tells the true story of a new generation of 60 and 70-something Americans who saw their economic future atomized by the 2008 stock market crash. Too poor to retire, but too old to get steady work, they've become modern-day nomads, itinerant wanderers who roam the American West in camper vans, taking on work wherever they can find it. Chloe Chow's movie follows these nomads' documentary style, but she also builds an imagined story within their world, which is centered on a woman named Fern, played by Frances McDormand, and she's one of the movie's very few professional actors. It's one of McDormand's all-time great performances. She really blends seamlessly into this world around her. In the hands of a lesser talent, having a real star acting among actual people would be distracting at best and maybe offensive at worst, but Chow and McDormand approach their subjects with humility and grace and and uh, even like genuine wonder the result can be funny and sad and infuriating and sometimes even euphoric the unfiltered rawness really sets Nomadland apart. It's a little reminiscent of Terrence Malick's movies, both in its tone and sort of the impressionistic narrative, which is more of a portrait of a time and a place than it is a series of events, right? Um, disconcertingly, the movie has sort of the look and feel of a post-apocalyptic wasteland to it, and while watching, you do sort of get the sense that the end of an American world came not with a bang, but with a whisper that was so soft, a lot of us missed it altogether. But for a lot of people, it was unmistakable. And these people are nomads. Nomadland netted a Best Director and Best Screenwriter nomination for Chloe Chow. This is just her second movie. Her next one is Eternals, and that'll be for Marvel Studios. So a big jump in budget for her, but excited to see what she does with it. McDormand got a nomination for Best Actress, and the movie was nominated for Best Drama. It's in limited release in theaters right now, so if you want to take your chances on a theaters, which we do not recommend, you can. But it will be on Hulu uh, in February 19th. We recommend it. Check out RelevantMagazine.com. Um, for more relevant recommends. You're listening to Arlo Parks. The song is Hope. Okay, it's time for our new segment. What's Jesse thinking? Huh? If you haven't heard this segment before, it is our very own Jesse Carey. It's basically something he clicked on the internet this week, something that caught his eye. Mm-hmm. He brings it here uh, to the podcast every week. So, Jesse, this week, what are you thinking? This week, I'm thinking clickbait is actually awesome. Okay, I'm going to back into this one a little because, you know, Tyler uh, and Cameron, too. 
We have all been in the headline game for a very long time. Well, I mean, I have literally sat with you two and, and, and various other people for untold number of hours coming up with interesting headlines that will get people to engage with a piece of content. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, for a long time, people would use the term clickbait as this insult, right? As like, oh man, yeah, that, 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 that headline is just trying to get me to click. Well, yeah, that's the whole intention. <laughs> yeah. And two, bait is awesome. If it was called a click trap or something, I would get it. That's an insult. But you know what? There's a reason they bait the mousetrap with cheese or a piece of peanut butter because the mouse likes cheese and peanut butter. There's nothing wrong with the bait. The bait's the good part. Listen, the bear who gets his paw stuck in a bear trap, yeah, he's mad at the trap, not the big juicy steak sitting there. Like, the bait is fine. The, right. the fish, they weren't, they're like, oh, sweet, dude. I'm not believing this. There's a worm floating at eye level right here. It's perfect. People don't have a problem with the bait. It's a trap, okay? But what when the bait leads to great content then then job served clickbait did its did its job well and here's why i was i was going down i was you know kind of making my normal rounds and i came across this headline and you guys are telling me that this headlines like this aren't or is not the reason that the internet was made like this is like there's no question i'm clicking on this and enjoying every second of it here's a headline i saw man with world's lowest voice sings lonesome road and good god it's so low what <laughs> headline what a headline i was in a meeting i was in a meeting i was in a meeting and i was like this i was in like because we all do this right when you're in a zoom meeting you're actually like kind of got a parallel window and you're just kind of you know scrolling reddit or whatever like don't lie to me everyone you all do it in your zoom meetings you're actually looking at like five things yeah i was like hey guys listen i got an emergency i'll call you guys right back and i hung up the meeting i was like i gotta hear this guy sing lonesome road he's got the lowest <laughs> voice in the world it's a perfectly head perfectly good headline and it totally executed so Clark, to demonstrate what I'm thinking this week, that clickbait is actually a good thing. I have two clips. Uh, okay, but first I'm going to set a little uh, a context for this. I did the according to uh, the a little bit of research here. So the the man's name is Tim Storms, and he holds the Guinness Book of World the Guinness World Records for the lowest vocal note by a male. Now, according to this, look, they use some sort of like low frequency microphone and precision sound analyzer to determine if this is actually low. Listen, I believe it. I've heard it. I don't need special equipment. Uh, Clark, real quick, let's cue up clip number one. And I'm jumping in in the middle of the song here because he takes a little while to kind of build up that that husky baritone. Let's play clip one for me, Clark. Okay, I got one more. Clark, play the other I one. I can't. My my mind is blown. I know. I know. It, you feel it in your bones. Because it delivered. It was bait. in your bones. It was bait, and it was like, you know what? That yeah. worm was mighty tasty. <laughs> I might have got a hook through my mouth and had to leave a meeting, <laughs> but it was worth it because I got a delicious worm that I wouldn't yeah. have ever got. Play the other. Play the other clip for me, Clark, if you don't mind.
Man, it's just like a is rumbling. This not the People's most car sa- speakers busting open. Like, is that like, not the most satisfying bit of audio you've ever heard? Like, <laughs> sheesh. It was totally worth the click. It totally delivered. Yeah. Lonesome. <laughs> because I tried it. I tried it. I have a mic. I have a mic and I have headphones. I literally, that afternoon, I was like, I wonder if I could. I, you know, I don't feel like the world's lowest, but I could probably be top. 20. So I, so I like I was literally with my mic going like this. Low lonesome. Like two octaves above that guy. <laughs> it was fantastic. It totally delivered. Listen, editors out there, this is the kind of stuff people are looking for. If you, you know, give the people what they want and show no shame. People love hearing stuff like the like the vocalist with the world's lowest voice. It was super satisfying. It was perfect. That is the kind of content that we need to give us a distraction from you know, a pandemic and uh, impeachment hearings, they've made it all melt away with one husky, beautiful baritone. Thank you, Tim Storms. Thank you, editors at AV Club for putting it into my face. And it was worth <laughs> leaving a meeting for. So there it is, folks. If your punch is telling you <laughs> that was your, what's Jesse thinking? I've been thinking about this a lot. Kim. <laughs> Do you know how many times I've listened to that clip? <laughs> So it's not the headline, it's the actual audio that you've been thinking about. Because I can think about the whole know, thing. Yeah. Don't, yeah. You, you don't know if like the world's lowest voice is going to be like if it's going to be just a, like a little bit lower in a way that's not perceptible from any of your friends who has a deep voice, right? Because we all have voice friends who have like a low voice. I'm like, well, I think I know. I think I roughly know what a low voice sounds like. It turns out, no, we don't know what a friend with a low voice sounds like because there is a whole other scale of lowness that is. That. So it really delivers not just like, oh, I guess that must technically be the lowest voice. It's like I can't even imagine anybody having a lower voice than this person has. Well, they don't because it's not it's it's not even the thing that I've like thought about the most, I think, th- that I read in the news this week. But it's a, certainly the thing that was most satisfying. Like, you know, I, I was going to talk yeah. about how Elon Musk, you know, came out this week and he now says that they have a monkey. You know, he's, he's doing the, the, the Neuralink thing and he's got mm-hmm. a monkey that has a wireless implant in his brain that who can play video games using only his mind. And their goal is to have monkeys playing video games each other, against each other using only their mind. And I had a whole thing I was going to do. About how I don't think on the, the surface this is bad, but I mean, one of the quotes had jumped out that said that it, it, the monkey is actually having the time of his life, you know, playing video games all day with his mind. Like, to me, I was going to say, I was going to go on this whole thing about how that's a terrible idea because monkeys are going to ha- just, it's like that monkey that like back in the 40s before we, you know, people were all that ethical that they taught to smoke cigarettes for, mm-hmm. for humor purposes. Mm-hmm. And then it just became like a chain smoking monkey, you know? And now it's like, well, that probably wasn't cool because that monkey smokes like Six, like a carton of c- cigarettes a day just because they thought it'd be cool to do it. And now you can't take the cigarettes from the monkey because he's he's, a, he's addicted. And I was thinking, these monkeys are going to be addicted to video games and we try to take them away. They got these brain interfaces and this is going to be the start of the revolt. Then I heard that guy's voice and I'm like, I'm actually thinking more about that to be honest with you guys. <laughs> than the monkey apocalypse. Yeah. All, yeah right. Exactly. All right. That's it for this week's What's Jesse thinking? Huh? Well, many thanks to Mac Brock for joining us today. Make sure to check out his newest album, Space, and follow him on IG at Mac Brock. Well, before we end the show, I want to remind everybody, go over to relevantmagazine.com and check out the new issue of Relevant, the January-February issue. It's out now. It features Pharrell on the cover and some amazing content. 
Uh, just go over to the homepage, click on magazine, and there it is. It's available for free. We're, you know, only a couple weeks left before the new issue. So uh, check it out while you can. And also while you're on the site, make sure to check out our new Relevant Recommends uh, column every Friday. It's the beginning of, I think this year you'll, you'll start to see a lot more kind of culture, curation, music, film, TV type stuff in the pipeline. Now that we're kind of, the industry's getting back to normal it seems like it's going to be getting back to normal post-COVID. Um, there's going to be a lot more culture content. And that's our first step in 2021. The new Every Friday Relevant Recommends. It's our picks of what's coming out that week. Also, we have a couple new newsletters. Relevant Today is our top five trending articles that get delivered to your inbox every morning. You can sign up right there on the homepage at relevantmagazine.com. And also, every morning... Uh, we start our days with Deeper Walk now, our new devotional series presented by Lumo. It's uh, it's got an email. It's got it's there on our site. It's a great way to start your day. And there's more coming from Deeper Walk. A little foreshadowing there. Okay, well, on that note, we will wrap things up. Andy, thank you so much for sitting in with us today. Yeah. That's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, everybody, a couple plugs for Andy. Uh, his new EP is called Happy Thoughts. It's out now. Go check it out. It's great. And I f- you've got some buzz on social media. What's going on? Tell us about it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, this song <laughs> coming in hot, you know, it just, uh, it won't die. And I'm not mad about it at all, but it's heading towards going gold. And it just, for some some reason, some social media influencers were using coming in hot to like do their hair or make food and or work on cars or do backflips, whatever. And the th- the thing is, it's ranked. It just got tagged on TikTok as like right a popular song. So oh, they're pushing, uh, like it's jumping through the algorithms. And so it's every day I'm getting some account that has a million plus 18 million followers or something, posting it on their grid, using it, using it on TikTok. So we're just like, what's going on? Maybe we need to do a remix. Let me ask you. So when on TikTok, do you get paid when they play it? I don't it? think I get paid for any of that stuff. I just, I think it brings awareness to the song. Really? Yeah. Cause I don't think they figured that out yet. I think they're trying to figure out how to monetize um, those yeah. things, but the trade-off is, you know, basically you're getting free marketing, you know, people are sharing your song. Like, I've heard that before, you know, when, when did the song first come out? It came out, uh, 2018 for the tour for the, uh, better late than never right. tour in the fall. So it's been almost three years. Yeah. Because then I remember it kind of found a new life. Like Steph Curry used it. Right. It got used NBA finals, Steph Curry's, uh, Under Armour commercial. Um, so then it had a second life and it was like, Big and then it kind of died down and now it's back again with <laughs> yeah. It, it, it is it is the Mike Myers of songs. Like every time you think it could yeah. die, and it's like okay, don't worry, that we'll move on. To, it comes back to life even uh, uh, bigger and and better than ever. It'll get you. Yeah, it'll find you. He'll find yeah. you. Well, the, yeah. the best part was you know I clicked on uh this is how I knew it took on a different life. I clicked on the the song and it shows you like all the people have done it and I was like oh there's strippers. <laughs> Uh, working it to this song, I was like, "That's <laughs> this is taking on a new life and direction." Um, so, so kids, so kids, if you're out there and you're wanting to do the bust it challenge, don't do the bust it challenge and do the coming in hot challenge on yeah. TikTok, right? Yeah, there you go. That's right. <laughs> right. Uh, follow Andy as well on IG at Andy Minio. He's on Twitter at Andy Minio as well. And uh, yeah, with that, we'll wrap it. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Jesse Carey. Andy Maniner Niner. All right, we'll see you all on Tuesday. Have a good weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening.
listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. My hand just exploded. Relevant Podcast Network. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. We've all been to the party or tailgate with that person. You know, the one who makes everything about politics. Or there's that relative, the one you blocked on Facebook because you'd prefer to opt out of toxic conversations. I'm Sarah Stewart-Holland. And I'm Beth Silvers. We host Pantsuit Politics, where we take a different approach to the news. On Pantsuit Politics, we opt out of the shouting and scorekeeping while still recognizing that elections matter. We're here to look at the headlines as citizens. We pay attention to politics, but also keep it in perspective. Pantsuit Politics was named one of Apple's best podcasts of 2021 and GMA3's Podcast of the Month. Take a different approach to the news with us in 2023. Pantsuit Politics releases new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Listen on the ACAST app and wherever you get your podcast. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.